Welcome to the podcast for Sunday, June 11th, 2017. And now, Pastor Angela Galanis Price. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord God, our rock and our redeemer. Spirit, we invite you in this space, O oh God. Give us ears so that we can hear your word. Open our hearts so that we can receive you. Receive you in a fresh and new way this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. So today as I was uh, prepping for my last sermon here at Palmdale UMC, I, I was thinking about what I wanted to say, to share with all of you. Um, and uh, the first thing that I wanted to say is how incredibly grateful and thankful I am for this church community. I feel emotional just even saying it because uh, you gave me an opportunity to serve and to learn and to grow. Uh, you have been generous, forgiving of my mistakes, um, and I am incredibly grateful for your affection and for your love. Um, this has truly been, I consider all of you my family, um, because I see you more than my family. Like my biological family, I see all of you much more, so I'm really grateful. So thank you. Thank you for the season of seven years. You know, seven years ago, gosh, seven years ago, saying it out loud seems like a million years ago. <laughs> seven years ago, uh, when... I got this email out of the blue from somebody I don't talk to on a regular basis. And in the email, she says to me, God has called you to Palmdale United Methodist Church. I'm 100% sure. This lady did not come to this church. She lives like in Claremont. She just, I don't even know. I have no idea where she got this connection. You really need to connect with this church. And I said at that point, Palmdale? Where is that? <laughs> and ignored the email. I mean, when you get an email like that, it's the first thing you shouldn't do. I ignored it for a whole month. And then uh, I think the Spirit uh, reminded me that there was this email. I, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to Google it, <laughs> find out where it is. I'm like, oh, it's an hour north of Pasadena. That can't be too bad. It's only an hour. I can always come back to civilization <laughs> if I need to. <laughs> Um, and so I sent out my resume, Pastor Jim Powell, our district superintendent now, but then served this church 24 years at that time, contacted me, interviewed me over the phone for like a thousand hours, uh, seemed like the longest interview of all time, and then invited me to come and interview with SPRC, which is like our HR here at the church, uh, seven years ago today which is incredible. Um, and uh, that went well, I thought. And so that evening I went home and I had this dream. I had three dreams interwoven all together. Um, and the first one was a cat that was pregnant and she was ready to give birth. That was the first dream. And then it trans, you know how dreams do that and changes real quick into another dream. Okay, so it transformed into another dream. And there I had, uh, I saw dough that was rising. The yeast was already in there. And the dough was rising and rising. And then there was so much dough that I can split it into two. I'm like, okay. And then the last one, uh, there was a hill and there was a fire on the hill. 
and the fire grew and it doubled and it jumped the hill into the other hill. So when I woke up, I thought, okay, God, you're doing something. You're stirring something. I knew that was a prophetic dream of sorts, even though I was super skeptical of all that. But I knew that this was significant, that God was doing something significant in me, that God was going to stretch me and grow me. Um, And that Wednesday, which will be Gosh, this Wednesday, seven years ago, uh, Pastor Jim Powell, Karen Taves, and Katie Corbett were sitting at Macaroni Grill when they offered me the position and health benefits, which was like, whoa, this is amazing. I would do it for only health benefits because I didn't have any at that time. Um, So I had no idea what God had in store for me, but I was so excited. And then when I came and I was able to worship with you here, my heart was filled with such celebration and joy. And I was grateful. And I imagine Paul in the scriptures was grateful for his communities, the communities that he visited and that God was calling him to just as much. Now, for some of us here that don't know who Paul is, Paul is responsible for most of the writings of the New Testament. And he was a a Roman citizen at that time, but also a Hebrew. And he grew up He grew up in that faith and then trained as a Pharisee, as a spiritual leader. And his role was to find those Christian revolutionaries that were turning the world upside down, find them and shut that down because they didn't want too much talk about Christianity. On his road to Damascus from Jerusalem going north up to Damascus, he has this amazing awakening moment. He's knocked off his horse, the scripture tell us, and he sees in vision there in front of him the living Christ. And Christ tells him, why are you persecuting me? And from there, he experienced such hope, such love. His whole life transformed in such a radical way that he committed himself as an educated man. He left that all behind, and he traveled literally in the known common world there in the Middle East as far as he could to share the hope that through Christ you can have a relationship with the living God. That was unheard of. The people that were closest to God at that time were considered the rich and the privileged. The common folks, they were not close to God. They, they were not allowed to be close to God. But see, Jesus said, through me, through my teachings, this is a way for you to connect with the living God. And this God wants to restore you, give you hope, and raise you up. And free you from all the things that tie you down. This was good news. And so Paul traveled, and this is the map, if I can get there. He traveled all through, uh, on the right over here, it's Jerusalem. I wish I had this pointer working here uh, that goes all the way up into Turkey. Then over here in the center is Greece and Italy. The, the lines is where all, all the journey that Paul went to, all these different areas. And near Turkey, on the very bottom portion, there is this little town called, well, it's not little, Ephesus. This is a town called Ephesus. And Ephesus was really in the center of everything that was happening in Turkey. There it was, uh, they would import and export. Um, they were right there by the, the ocean. And so they were a wealthy area. And there, 
Paul met some of his closest companions and friends, including Apollos, and that later on the scripture talks about how he did ministry with Apollos, and also Priscilla, Aquila and Priscilla. And he worked with Aquila and Priscilla and actually lived there in Ephesus uh, for three years. So he was grateful for that specific area. From Ephesus, he was able to really reach uh, Greece and to reach every other place that he needed to be, and, and Turkey and all the areas. And he, was, he had effective ministry because of the central uh, town of Ephesus. So later on, at the very end of his ministry, he's captured by the Roman Empire, and he's taken to Rome because he's a Roman citizen. They don't execute him. They just imprison him for a season, and then he, he was put to death at a later point. But there he was able to write most of what we have in the New Testament. Um, these are letters that he sent out to churches, and he sent out a letter to Ephesus. I invite you now to pick up a Bible if you would like. The scripture is also going to be up here as well on the screen. Ephesus, starting with chapter 1, verse 16 through 19. And this is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus, to the different churches in Ephesus. I do not cease to give thanks for you, as I remember you in my prayers. Paul was indebted to them. He loved them dearly. He really wanted to be there to encourage them and to support their ministry, but his hands were obviously tied as he was imprisoned in Rome. And he knew that his letters would bring them hope and, in fact, remind them of all the blessings they have. And he goes on in verse 17, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the, the, God, the God of glory, meaning the one who illuminates us, who opens our eyes so that we can see clearly, see clearly uh, the presence of the Lord and see clearly the world that is around us, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. I think the most important piece, the most important piece is to know God. I know some of you have been in the faith for a very long time, and you might know the, the Bible better than I do inside and out. But we get an opportunity every single day to get to know God in an intimate way. There's layers of God's love that we can, we can learn. And we not only learn intellectually, but experience emotionally. Getting to know God is the most important piece. The most important thing that we can do in our lives, if we dedicate ourselves and open our hearts. Because when we know God, when we begin to know God's love then that love that we experience through God seeps out of us and into the world that is around us. If you can imagine an outpouring of the presence of the Lord that happens in us and then it pours out of us and we get to extend that compassion and love and tenderness to the world that is all around us. And in verse 18... So that, see, knowing God, this is what, uh, what produces from that. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, when our heart is awakened, enlightened so we can see, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. 
I think hope is the most important thing, the most important thing that we can have. When we get to know God in that intimate, real way, not in an intellectual way, but an intimate way, that's what rises up inside of us. Hope for tomorrow. Hope that life will be better. And then we have hope for our society. We look at our society around us and we see everything that's going on. You turn on the news and, oh my goodness, I'm depressed like in 30 seconds. There's so much going on. And we feel so paralyzed when we see all of it. But when we connect back to God, we have a hope that this world can be changed. This idea of the kingdom of God is that we believe that salvation isn't just a a spiritual salvation, that there is a physical salvation that's connected to it, that we hope that there will be no more children hungry at night, no more enslaved people in the world, that poverty would not uh, rule the world the way it rules that that peace is a possibility. These are the things that we hope for. And when we hope for them, and we are connected to the presence of God, then it's interesting how the Spirit many times moves us, empowers us, empowers us to do something about it. What is the hope to which he has called you? That's the first point Paul has. Second point, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? Being among the saints and feeling the joy and the delight and the celebration of what it looks like to be the church together. And number three, what is the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of his power for us? That we believe in a living God, that this is not just an old religion, that we're keeping to the traditions. We are here because we believe in a living God who is alive here and now and is interacting with us in mysterious ways to bring change and renewal and refreshing in our lives, and that this living God is active in the world in mysterious ways. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. So these are some of the things I've learned here at PUMC in the past seven years. Number one, the church brings hope. (laughs) I have a lot of friends who are super spiritual, and I believe them. I believe they're spiritual, who are not a part of the church for whatever reason, uh, they've moved on or they moved into a place they haven't found a church community or there's been some hurt and they moved away, that's fine. But I believe when we gather together in a healthy community, I'm talking about a healthy church, that we get to have faith for one another. There's going to be times when my faith is weak because life hits you across the face. (laughs) And when my faith is weak, I need you to speak faith in my life, and vice versa. People need you in this setting for you to speak faith into them. And this is the beauty of it. The church has the opportunity to present glimpses of hope, glimpses of hope into people's lives. 
It's quite remarkable. Nelson Mandela, and some of you don't know, he is an activist and won the Nobel Peace Prize. He is a He was the South African president from 1994 to 1999, first black head of state in that country. And uh, gosh, he went through so much. He was in prison because he stood up for what was right. And later on, he was the reason why there was reconciliation between, uh, between what was happening in South Africa. This is what he says. We are together in this. Our human compassion binds the one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learned how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. The church is a place for us to do this together, this life thing. We do it together. And it takes about, I don't know, once a week, if not like every day. Gosh, I used to go to church almost every day back in the day. (laughs) And I am at church every day. But about once a week, we need a reminder. Hey, you're not alone. God is with you. We can do this. There's hope. Don't give up. Push through. You're not doing this alone. We can get through this. And that reminder, that reminder is what helps us get through whatever it is that we're dealing with. For me, when I came here in 2010, I was super excited. I had the dreams, right? Like, I was ready to do the work. And uh, that, uh, within three months, I experienced probably the worst year of my existence. Um, I came up, and the marriage that I was in at that point dissolved. Um, And I don't want to demonize him because that's not fair, but it fell apart. He ended up having an affair. And the worst part of it is that he gave up hope. He had no hope left for the marriage. And I was devastated. And I was embarrassed. And I was supposed to be a pastor. And I'm grieving every night at home, wiping my tears and icing my face because it's swollen from crying so much. That November, I got bronchitis, of course, because it's super cold in the AV. (laughs) Um, and I was driving, and it's windy. Did you know it's windy out here? Um, and the rain, like, goes sideways <laughs> when it's raining and stormy. And I got caught up in this, like, rainy, stormy night, um, and I got into a car accident. My car was completely totaled that night. I'm sitting in my car, like, crying. I'm like, I don't even know who to call. I don't even know anybody in the AV. Um, I waited, and anyways, all of that. Come to find out that my ex took me off the insurance, so I didn't have insurance on the car. Um, and uh, I called, who am I going to call? Of course, Pastor Jim Powell. <laughs> I called him the next day because I had to be into work. And uh, I said, this is happening. He's like, it's going to be okay. Take a breather. You're not alone. We're going to get through this. And a family in the church, and I say this with so much emotion, it's, I'm incredibly grateful for this family. A, a, a family in the church decided to pay for my repairs for the car, over $5,000 worth of repairs for free. And I knew when that happened that that was a sign of hope. 
that the church, that this was my family, and that you were, I needed to be open to you caring for me as the Lord was teaching me how to care for you. So I'm incredibly grateful. I saw how this church can speak hope in a time when it was really, really dark in my life. That's the purpose of the church, to speak hope. The second thing that I learned is that um, depression lasts for a moment, but there's joy in the moment. (laughs) There's joy in the morning. Uh, Number two, celebration and delight makes life beautiful. That even though we go through hard times, and if you're going through a hard time in your life right now, and it feels incredibly dark, and you think, how am I going to get through this? I want to testify to you this morning that God is actively working in your life to bring you out of that despair. That it is only for a season. And that God will bring joy and delight in your life. And I experienced that joy and delight. Mother Teresa, another favorite of mine, uh, if you don't know her story, I encourage you to Netflix her. There's a movie out there uh, on her life. Uh, Incredible woman. She was called to be a nun and uh, decided when she was in India that she was called to leave her monastery and go to the streets where the poor were. And after so much strife and so much trouble in that, um, and of course asking the Roman Catholic Church if she's able to do that, she pushed through, and because of her efforts, there are 517 missions. She started one mission she created because she decided that we needed a ministry to the poor. She created 517 missions over 100 countries. And, um, and those are called missionaries of charity. She created a, a, an, an order to be able to do that. And this is what she says about joy. We all long for heaven where God is. But we have it in our power to be in heaven with him right now, to be happy with him at this very moment. You have to understand, she's saying this from the context of being in the streets in India, (laughs) seeing people dying on the streets, and being there with him, and crying on their behalf, and doing that work with the poor. She believes That even when we go through suffering, that there is a celebration, a joy, a deep joy in Christ that is possible in us. And she goes on to say, joy is prayer. Joy is strength. Joy is love. That there is a celebration and a delight that we can experience in Christ. So my uh, depression didn't last very long, just a year, (laughs) and that lifted. Therapy helped a lot. Prayers helped a lot. The church helped a lot, Um, and the depression and the grief lifted, and then this angel fell from the sky, and his name is James. He's right there, (laughs) and I cannot believe there's a human being that wants to marry a female pastor. So... uh, so much delight and so much joy. And I just felt that my life was restored again through the Holy Spirit, through this church. And 
August 11th, 2013, Sunday morning during church, we got married in this church, and Pastor Jim Powell married us, and we celebrated together, and some of you were there, um, and we uh, sang love songs, you know, all the Christian love songs that we knew, and we, we just, ha- it was just joyful. I had never been to a Sunday morning uh, wedding before, so I'm really glad it was ours. Um, so there is delight. There is joy. God does, does lift us from a place of de- despair and is working in our lives. And the third thing that I learned is God's Spirit works in empowering and wonderful ways. God is alive. I say this with a lot of passion if you don't hear it in my voice. God is alive And in you, your very breath is God's very essence in you. And yes, maybe you sense, well, I haven't felt the Holy Spirit or God's presence for a long time. My friend, I'm here to tell you that God has been working in mysterious ways in your life. In mysterious ways to awaken you and to bring you to a place so you can feel uh, celebration and delight. And if you're not there yet, just hold on. Because God is, God is in process with you. God's Spirit works in empowering and wonderful ways. Henry Nowing is uh, an author uh, specifically on pastoral care and counseling. He has a very tender heart. There's such tenderness in his books. And I used his books a lot when I was doing my chaplaincy work down at Arcadia Methodist. And in this book, Love Henry, Letters on Love, Hope, Faith, and Vocation, he says this, I have an increasing sense that the most important crisis of our time is spiritual and that we need places where people can grow stronger in the spirit and be able to integrate the emotional struggles in their spiritual journeys. I agree, I agree with Henry Nowen so much because there are so many life-sucking areas in our life, right? Where it takes the spirit and the joy out of us. Some of those things are called bills (laughs) and jobs, maybe. I love my job, but some of you might struggle with your work or dealing with family. Family, oh my goodness, can be so incredibly difficult. And it sucks the joy out of us. We need to find places in our life where we allow the Spirit of God to move in our hearts. We have to be intentional about this. And that's why we come into places of worship so that our hearts can be opened, inspired, and moved beyond ourselves. And in fact, when we come to the very end of our of ourselves, that's when the Spirit has an opportunity to do that thing that only the Spirit can do. Take you to places that you can't even imagine. Give you the strength and the ability that you never even considered. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God in you and through you. And I experienced this at this church many, many, many times. But in particular, when I was going through the ordination process, uh, the ordination process in the Methodist church is like, I don't know. It's like the hardest thing that any human being could do. Um, And it takes, like, the, the soonest you can go through it is five years. It takes a very long time. Um, And as I was writing my first 80-page paper, 
And that finally, that passed, thank God. I caught the flu at that point, and I needed to interview for three hours. Um, and, uh, but I was ready. I prepared. I had my questions. I had like 30 people look over my stuff. I mean, I was ready, and I, I just, I wanted it because I knew God was calling me to this. Uh, the day before the interview, I got this uh, message from the Lord. It's good when the Spirit speaks to you. It's not good when that happens. When you feel in the core of your being, oh, there you are, God. <laughs> um, and what I received was this verse that said, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. And I thought to myself, but Lord, I have so much might and power. I'm ready for this. And I could sense that God was saying to me, Okay, I see that, but this is not going to happen because of your efforts. This is going to be an act for me, and you'll know it's an act for me. Okay, so the next day, I'm sick like a dog. Pastor Jim Powell, in his press car, Stephanie, his wife, is right there laughing. (laughs) Uh, In his press car, he's an auto journalist uh, on the side as well as being a pastor. His brand-new, beautiful, clean press car Um, at 5 a.m., picked me up. He was going to drive me to my interview down below. We're sitting in traffic, and I turned to him, and I said, I'm feeling sick. And he says, do you want me to pull over? And before I could answer, I vomit on myself, (laughs) on my interview dress, completely on myself, on the seat, on the car, the brand new press car. Finally, he pulled over because he had to. Uh, We found a hotel. (laughs) He found a hotel. He's so gracious, so gracious, right? He found a hotel. Um, He was telling the front desk (laughs) how I have this important interview. They felt super sorry for me. Um, I went to the bathroom. They gave me a robe. I took my dress off. I washed it in the sink, rinsing it off trying to get all that vomit off, um, make sure it didn't stain or anything. And they dried it for me. I put this dress back on. Uh, oh, gosh, I was so sick. I was so sick. I threw up two times more, but not on myself, thank God. I, <laughs> I told them, pull over, pull over. I, I have to throw up. So he pulled over. I threw up. And then finally, when we get there at the, uh, at the retreat center where we had the interview, I get out of the car and I smell the air, and I feel like okay for a moment. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I interviewed for three hours. I have no idea what I said. I must have said something. They asked me a bunch of questions. I get back in the car, and I'm feeling sick again because I was sick. I had the flu. Uh, But I knew, I knew that it was the Spirit that gave me that strength. It wasn't even humanly possible. I don't even know how this happened. I didn't throw up during the interview. I mean, which was a really awesome thing. (laughs) Can you imagine? Um, But I knew, I knew deep in my heart that God was the one that was empowering me. I came to the very end of myself. I prepared as best as I could. And it was the Holy Spirit that took me the rest because there was a calling on my life. Not to say that I'm so special and you're not. I think, I think there's a calling on your life as well. And when you come to the very end of yourself, know that the Holy Spirit is right there to carry you. The Holy Spirit is right there to carry you. 
If I were to ask you, each and every one of you, your own testimonies, there would be hundreds of testimonies of how God met you in that space, that you've been through a dark place, and that you know, you know that there's another side because you've been to the other side. You know that God can lift you out of this despair. So my hope this morning is that you continue to do what it is that you've done all along, the very things that I'm grateful for, and that you do so well that you continue to do these things. Number one, that you'll have hope, that you have hope for people that don't have hope, that you speak faith for people that are in a low place. Number two, that you celebrate and delight, that you find the joy, truly joy, true joy in people. And number three, that you trust in the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is actively moving in your life, and I am assured of it. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for being alive and being real. That this is not just an old religion that we follow and we hope that something comes out of it. That you are alive in us. And that we get to experience your warmth, your delight, and then we can delight and celebrate who you are. Give us strength to trust that you are actively moving in our lives. We give you the glory. We lift you up. In Christ we pray. Amen.